Welcome to the Conscious Relationship and Coupling and Parenting Summit. It's me, Lucia Gabriela, your host and producer. Today we have an incredible woman and a speaker. She is Jada Simone. So let me just share a little bit about her. A radical evolution in love, sex, and relationship is happening and leading the way is Jada Simone, founder of Erotic IQ, which was presented as a tech talk and a part of the Psychoanalytic Sexology Certification through the Institute of Human Sexuality. Jada Simone is pioneering conscious relationships through science, technology, psychoanalysis, with a strong focus on the work of Jung and Reich, as well as biohacking in our biotechnology through neuroscience and neurobiology. Gain a deeper understanding, insight into your own relationship learning methods and techniques for you, coaching, therapy, corporate staff, bodywork practice, or develop your own self-development tool for personal growth. Thank you, Jared, for joining us today. We welcome you to our summit. Thank you for having me. So the topic of today is about biohacking into our own evolution through erotic IQ, the importance of intelligence and conscious relationship, which is a fascinating topic that I'm really interested on. But before we go into it in your presentation, we would like to learn from you. How do you start in this journey of conscious relationship? Uh, okay, so um, I, I studied mainly through academic, so academic circles, um, and then um, moving my way up towards the, the master's degree and, and a PhD in, in psychotherapy. Um, I found that um, I guess most of what people are looking for in relationships stems into more of the metaphysical, the spiritual, the energetic, but um, the, the biggest movements within relationship engineering seems to be coming from what neuroscience is bringing into the mainstream at the moment. So I, I moved into studying a little bit more about neuroscience and about neuro, neurobiology and how our brain works with what we feel and what we think and how we interact with people. And so um, I, I worked with clients for a long number of years. And the majority of the issues that I found was that um, the, the, the concept of, of love isn't just the only thing that keeps relationships sustained and keeping that together. It, love isn't just the only thing that's needed. But a big element to that now is, is intelligence. So being able to bring in a key component to engineering your relationships and putting it into a reality that you choose it to be rather than uh, how uh, society or, or, or culture or any of the other factors come into play. So erotic IQ is sort of um, an umbrella term for many different sort of theories and ideologies and, and philosophies and concepts around relationships. And, um, and yeah, and so once uh, I decided to sort of put it all together and, and bring it out to the, to the limelight, it, um, yeah, it took off. But I find that it works with, with relationships a lot more powerfully than, than anything else that I've ever worked with. Mm -hmm. I am so excited to learn from you today. I really am. So I, the aspect of neurobiology and neuroscience is like, it's like food for my soul. <laughs> the whole aspect of understanding and psychology and all that. So here we go. Let's just do it. Let's learn and and um and just feed our soul at a deeper level. So here we go. So um. I've worked with couples and in relationships for many, many years. And my background mainly is in engineering relationships and human development. And 
when I've worked with couples, I worked mainly to master their potential. So basically, like how I mentioned before, most people think that love is the secret to a successful relationship, but it's not. But it, it's what I like to call erotic IQ. So um, we understand that relationships don't come with a manual and that there's no sort of bachelor degree of love. There's no uh, master's degree of marriage. And most of us haven't had great examples to go by either. Um, so right now we, we fall in love, we get married and we think that we're going to live happily ever after till death do us part. But it doesn't always happen that way. Um, the, 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 the element to relationships to love is that most of what we understand love and relationships to be is generally what we see as from childhood. So we're constantly surrounded by love. It's everywhere. It's ingrained into our systems. It's, it's something we, we hear on our playlists on our iTunes playlist, in the song lyrics, in movies, in, in TV shows, it's everywhere. So it's designed to be a certain way. And so we understand relationships to be that way. And so when we become, uh, grow up as, ad as adults, we expect a certain experience when it comes to love. We give it its own meaning. We, we understand it a different way. But the issue also is that what I believe love to be, even if I was to be asked, so, so what is love? My definition would be completely different to your definition or, the, or to everybody else's definition. Um, so it's in effect, it's programmed from childhood so that when we grow up as adults, we expect it to just play out like a, like a Disney movie. So like one of our favourite our favorite love movies. But um, when you think of it from a linguistic point of view, love in itself, the word love, there's so many different versions of it in so many different languages. So if you look at the Greeks, they've got seven different words for seven different types of love. In, in Italian, you can say it in over, over many, many different ways, so over 15 different ways in French, in about 10 different ways in, about Fr in French, probably over about 15 different ways. In English, we only have that one word. So it's that one word, love, we use to describe how we feel towards a lover, our partner, as well as how we feel towards our, our car, our, our favourite coffee, how we feel towards uh, a, a donut. So it's something that we use to describe so many different things. It doesn't have that essence or that feeling as, as it could have in, in many, many different types of languages. Um, so, but the, the thing is, is that the emotions around love itself um, when we study, when we look at it from a neurological perspective, it's, it's not only a temporary feeling, but generally it can be explained by basic science. So what we call moods or feelings, science calls neurochemicals. So the, there's the three different processes of, of, what the, of relationships of what love is. So it generally begins with sexual drive, moves into romantic love, and then finally finishes in, in attachment. So sexual drive is generally pheromones, uh, it's, it's dopamine, it's um, uh, you, you're going into that sort of that lustful feeling of wanting to be with that person all the time. And romance is the romantic love period is generally oxytocin and serotonin. So we tend to want to be with them, hang out with them, spend our days and nights with the, with the person. And then once the attachment phase kicks in, it's generally the phase that, um, you know, biochronologically we, we go into to want to spend, you know, want to raise children with our partners with, etc. So it's, it's usually the time where you 
come to look at that relationship and think, well, once all that dopamine, once all that serotonin and all those neurochemicals, once they start to dissipate, you actually look at that person and you think, well, is that really, um, you know, is that who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? A lot of relationships tend to, tend to end and tend to become problematic at the, at the attachment phase because the thing is that us humans, we tend to become more um, addicted to these kinds of neurochemicals in our, in, our, in our brains, in our bodies. We want more of it. So we, we seek dopamine all the time. Once we start to feel good about the, the relationship or about the person, we, we tend to neurologically associate happiness and, and fun or, you know, um, feeling good and self-worth with that person. And so we seek that person out all the time. We want it constantly. It's the type of addiction. Um, once that tends to become a norm for us, neuroplasticity kicks in, we then move, we then move into the, the romantic love phase. And that in itself becomes a type of an addiction to serotonin, to oxytocin. Uh, oxytocin is, is generally known as the sort of the cuddle, the cuddle hormone. So something that you feel nice and just relaxed in. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then once the, all of these kinds of mental cognitive frameworks tend to, you know, die down a little bit because we get to get used to it, our body becomes immune to it in, in a sense, um, we look at that relationship and we, 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 we may not like it anymore. That's why a lot of people go from one relationship to another to another because they constantly want the hit. They want to feel on uh, on a high. So it's um, something that tends to not be again, associated with love, because most of the time socially, um, uh, you know, culturally, we tend to associate love as, as the be-all and the end-all. All you need is love. That's the only thing that we need and we're, we're all set for the rest of our lives. But it generally doesn't work that way. So that's, that's the problem with the word love and the concept of love is that when you understand it from a little bit of a deeper perspective from, from how it works in the body, in the mind, then you, you get to understand how you're able to even hack into the understanding of love. Um, so when you move from that into attachment phase, you, you, you get to see that it's causing a lot more damage in society in general than it is creating good. Um, because the social construct itself is also now a global problem. So we see that, um, you know, divorce is about, you know, 50% of marriages are ending in divorce, um, which, is, which is a huge number. Um, we see that divorce in, in Australia anyway, it's costing the Australian economy about $14 billion a year, which is a huge hit. In the US, it costs the US economy about $112 billion a year. And the, the, these numbers tend to not even take into consideration the costs and of the of how it affects the economy through the decline in workplace productivity so if you go if you're at home and you've got problems at home with your wife or your husband or your partner or your lovers or whatever um and you go into work you're not really 100 percent present you're 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 feeling not so good you're if you're feeling upset you're feeling hurt whatever's happening you're just not balanced you're not in that place of uh, of being able to go into peak performance at work so in effect it affects workplace productivity, which in itself affects the economy at large. So there's a lot of different ways that it affects the, the world in general. Um, the, the World Health Organization, I'm sure you've, you may have heard it, has stated that by 2020, the biggest cause of disability worldwide 
is, is depression, is going to be depression. So the fact that so many people globally are falling into a state of mind or uh, into a, an illness known as depression is, is, is a, it's going to be an epidemic. It's a huge problem. Uh, now, some, some people might think that there are corporations and companies out there that might say that, you know, we want to instill the idea of love into people out there in the world so that they can fail at it. Um, now, it, the failure of love in itself is a multi-billion dollar industry. So if you fail at love, a lot of people find that the relationship failures are one of the major causes of, of depression. Um, people go into a state of mind where they find themselves to be really, you know, uh, sad, melancholy, hurt, all of these kinds of things. And so people go into marketing around this. People want to feel beautiful. People want to feel attractive to so the fitness industry, the pharmaceutical companies. You've got You've got magazines and the media and uh, even, you know, movies and TV shows, all these people that benefit on the failure of love. I know it sounds quite intense. Um, there are currently some research being done in this, in the fact that um, there is a sort of an undercurrent of, of corporations that want you to fail, uh, that want the relationship to be not so good. So there's, there's so many different paradigms that are happening around relationships that most people aren't really understanding it they're just seeing it from what they're being told to see it from which is what we see in in, in mass media in in the world around us but um so the, the future in itself isn't looking promising for relationships in the sense that we are programmed we are coming to a place of looking at relationships from the way we're told that it's meant to be so not only as children from how and what we see as examples as children from our parents, from, from family members, et cetera, um, and most of us haven't had really great examples to go by either. So, um, but in itself, what I want to talk about here is, is about erotic IQ. So I feel that erotic IQ is one of the evolutionary processes to relationships that will help relationships become great again. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about erotic IQ. So erotic IQ in itself isn't just about sex. It's not just about, you know, arousal. It's not just about, um, you know, excitement and getting, you know, erotic. Most people sort of turn to understand the word erotic as just that, but it's bigger than that. Um, so in, it's in effect, it's intelligence brought into our attitudes, our aptitudes, our perceptions around how we think, relate and behave in relationships. So it's a system, it's a structure, it's a spectrum of cultivating a relationship so it's at its optimal best. So we work through many different uh, areas from the spectrum of erotic IQ. So um, how the key, the, basically the key to erotic IQ is to work more from the head rather than what we think love or, or relationships to be, which is a lot of people associate it with the heart. So you hear a lot of people saying, oh, it's all in the heart. It's what you feel. But as I mentioned before, what you feel, moods and feelings are generally a neurochemical process. So coming into that kind of an understanding about our psyche, about our mental processes, about how we think, relate and behave tends to begin from what, um, what, I, what you mentioned before is what, is what Jung, Carl Jung has worked with in coining what's called the shadow. 
and what Wilhelm Reich calls the body armour. So when we talk about reverse engineering our social programming and reverse engineering our understanding of who we are, our identity in itself, um, it's working with reverse engineering that deeper shadow self. That's where it kind of begins. So the shadow self is that unconscious, deeper part of ourselves that still hold onto past memories, resentments, disappointments, mistakes and failures, which then forms into our current behaviours, thoughts and attitudes in our relationships. So everything we've ever experienced up until today, a lot of the, the negative and some of the positive and most of the experiences and the existential component to our existence in itself can filter into our shadows. So I'll give you an example. So you, you may have been in a relationship years ago, just say 10 years ago you were in a relationship. That relationship ended because of some sort of in, infidelity, there was a betrayal. All right, you've ended the relationship, it's finished, it's gone. And you think it's done and dusted and you've gone into a new relationship now. Um, you, you don't even think about it, but that relationship now triggers major trust issues. So you've got trust issues and that's formed into part of your shadow. Um, so going into what I call a shadow walk, um, which is part of the psychoanalytic sexology certificate or the training, a shadow walk is really going into walking into your shadows, going into those deeper parts of yourself. It's like taking a walk through a forest and illuminating all and each one of the trees in that forest as, as a memory, as an experience, as something that you may have come across in your past and reworking it. So you're reverse engineering the negative effects that it's had on you and retelling that story as an adult. So something may have had happened to you as a child, um, you may have built a story around that experience. But now as an adult, as a 20, 30, 40, 50 year old, you look back on that story and you're able to reword it. You're able to rewrite the story that's you're associating with that, which fundamentally is changing the past. You're, you can change the past by going through the shadow walk and looking at all of these experiences and, and um, rewiring your brain in effect to the effect that it has in your current life. Uh, so the shadow walk is, is, is that. Um, the body armour, so going into the body armour is basically the physical manifestation of the emotions related to that shadow self. So these things can appear as an unexplainable pain, as a psychosomatic symptom or an emotional blockage. So people may have heard of the body armour. It was coined by Wilhelm Reich um, decades ago. His work is amazing. Um, he, he teaches vegetotherapy, what, what, what's known as vegetotherapy, um, which then formed into bioenergetics and then now currently into biopsychotherapy, so body psychotherapy. But vegetotherapy is its, is its core, is its, um, is its base. And, yeah, that goes into more of the body work, so going into the somatic therapies, going into um, releasing and dissolving the body armours related to all of these existential experiences, related to that shadow component of ourselves. So really the reverse engineering concept is going into a huge array of mind shift. It's a type of awakening and awareness and hacking into our mindsets. Um, and now that you can begin to, to work through redesigning a new you, um, so you go through all these cycles and stages of life, but today, once you go through that reverse engineering process, you can then be better prepared for the different cycles and stages of a relationship that you're in. 
a lot of us think, oh, we're just going to wing it. All right, we're in love now. Great. Let's get married. Awesome. And then what? They don't realize that love isn't the only thing that you need to raise children. You, it's not enough to pay the bills. It's not. Life has so many different cycles and stages that you need to be prepared for. Um, so once you work through that clean slate, you can then uh, begin to cultivate your erotic IQ. So you're moving your way up through the spectrum of erotic IQ. So the next stage is basically working through learning new skills and ways of intimacy, of desire, of excitement, relearning transcendent intimacy while maintaining the safety and security of that relationship. Um, see, a lot of us tend to think of so many different things like betrayal, hurt, um, you know, infidelity, um, you know, so many different frameworks within relationships that, again, have been formed because of our social programming that um, we, we tend to feel not quite secure, not quite safe in our relationships. Um, so if you've gone through that shadow walk, you've gone through dissolving the body armour, you're, you're, you're brand new, you're two brand new people, you're starting from scratch, you're relearning intimacy. So you're going into new techniques through... Um, safer sexuality, you're learning new ways of going into new tools and technology of ecstasy. So you're, you're really able to get into that higher state of consciousness. You're going into altered states. You're learning deeper, powerful ways of connecting again. And you can do it through, um, through Tantra. You can do it through, through Ashimpo. You can do it through Taoist methods. You can do it through, you know, uh, Anangaranga methods. You can do it through... Um, you know, learning new modern ways of, of, of connecting, you know, toys, play, play stuff. You can go through so many different ways of engineering your own version of intimacy that's best suited to, to, to both of you. Um, you guys may have heard some different types of prototypes. Uh, each individual have, has a, a kind of um, erotic prototype that has formed into who they are right now when it comes to their erotic connection with other people within their relationship. So some people fall into many different uh, primary, secondary, tertiary prototypes, which, you know, can be more of their being more prone to their default mode being more monogamous. Their default mode might be more, you know, sexual based. There's so many different elements to that, but I guess that's a, a sort of kind of a different topic altogether. I could talk for a long time about the erotic prototypes, but um yeah, so relearning new versions of intimacy, advancing the intimate capabilities. Um, so from here, you, you go into what's called um, flow state. Uh, some people may have heard of the flow state in general. Um, the flow state was coined by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi probably in the 50s, but it was really come for, it came forward through Abraham Maslow's work um, as peak states that people can go into. Um, but the symbiotic flow state is unique to erotic IQ. So it's basically a type of flow state that you can go into in symbiosis with your partner. So it's, a, it's a being able to enter into that powerful state of flow at the same time with your partner. So, so, so neuroscience calls it neurosynchronicity. So being able to mind hack into each other and be able to connect at the same plane. So it's, it's something that we call being on the same wavelength. I mean, there are times where you may be with your partner and, or he or she may be um, somewhere else at work 
and you just sort of kind of get a feeling that something's not quite right. Sometimes you might call it intuition, you might call it whatever, but it's a type of mental cognitive framework. Intuition is something that people can feel but can possibly feel for, for anybody, whereas symbiotic flow states through neurosynchronicity is something you feel in symbiosis with your primary partner, so the person that you, you ultimately choose to be in synchronicity with. Um, you know, others call it quantum entanglement, some call it, um, yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a synchronized flow state and it brings your relationship to being at its optimal best. So once you work through the spectrum and you go into a higher state of awareness within your relationship, yeah, you, you lead yourself up towards the, the, the higher plane of neurosynchronicity. And when your relationship basically lifts itself to this cognitive ecstasy, it's a beautiful place of being in, in um, you know, a tool of, of, of ecstatic awareness within that relationship. Um, you're, you're basically amongst the happiest people in the world. So this particular Harvard study um, concluded that what keeps us happy and healthy is fundamentally good relationships. Um, so if your relationship is at its optimal best, you're amongst the happiest people in the world. And that's ultimately what we all want. We want to be in, in happy, sustainable, positive um, intelligent relationships not just something that we feel is right because emotions can can change can shift it's organic and us humans in in, in ourselves are very organic life is fluid fluid so things cha things change on a constant level um but the the exciting part through erotic iq is that um all right we go into symbiotic flow states which is bring the relationship to being at its optimal best which is amazing but what is exciting is that from here erotic IQ goes one step further so it basically goes into what's called the plateau experience so it, there's been studies done on the plateau experience it was originally coined by Abraham Maslow um, years ago but the, the the beauty about this process is that it's um, it's basically described as being in a transcendent life where the high plateau state is always turned on so it's unlike flow states which some of you may have may have or may not have been in these flow states you go in and out of peak and altered states <clears throat> so you go into you know you, you 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 might be you know like like a lot of people use the term of elite athletes they're playing their sport they're going into this peak state their optimal their performance is at its optimal peak but they they go into that space or a musician may be playing their instrument just really in that high state deep long-term meditators go into that deep that high optimal peak state but they come out of it so they come out of it, they go back down into reality, into that world, and then they can go back in. So it's an up and down kind of effect. With peak and flow states, it's an up and down effect. But with plateau, it's something that you can go into. So your optimal peak self rises to be at that peak state, and it's maintained and sustained. So when that plateau state or that plateau experience of your, of your life is is there and when it's synchronized in with the relationship your relationship evolves to being at its supreme best so it, this is the, the the beauty of this it's 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 a type of understanding that i mean we all desire union we all desire 
relationships. We all desire the best life that we want and we can possibly have. We all seek happiness. We all want to get into that place. Um, we, we go into all these different workshops and teachings and therapies and la, la, la. But what people sort of tend to, tend to not understand is that there's the, the best way is to go into our own minds, our, our brains, our mindsets. Our brains have it all there. It's something that we can already sort of hack into. It's something we can do once we've cleared and reverse engineered all that. Oh, I shouldn't say anything that all that all that crap that we've we've been conditioned with for years and years in our childhood. All that um, social conditioning. It's cleared you. You're moving away into this through an intellectual perspective. It's not just about feelings. It's not just about emotions. It's not just about the metaphysical. <clears throat> For some people that might work, it's great, but I find that to get to that next level, to that evolutionary process of relationships, one needs to understand it through the mind. They need to understand it through the brain, through neuroscience, through, through intelligence. Because one thing that's lacking in relationships is the ability to bring intelligence into that relationship. So to, to um, you know, some people think, oh, she should just know how I feel. It doesn't necessarily work like that. Well, if I'm telling you how I'm, uh, how I'm, what, what's going to happen and what I want, then you're not really in love with me. All these kinds of um, uh, conditionings and understandings and ways in which we, we relate in a relationship. Um, we talk about conscious relationships, which is great, but without the co our own conscious awareness of our own brains or our own minds about our own human potential about being able to biohack into that human potential it's really difficult to bring conscious relationships into that highest plateau state um, because it becomes too hard we, we we are humans we go into that human base um, the 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 default mode of who we are and what we've been programmed to be right now so you know, think of it from um, the, the singularity perspective, which is a term that I'm really loving right now, singularity, that in the sense that everything is linked and it's something that we as, as, as humans can increase our, uh, you know, our, our mind technology. It's an exponential work. It's, a, it's the, the plateau state is in itself a constant cosmic orgasm. So it's something that we can get into if we so choose to get into it. Um, but the thing is, if, like how I, how I mentioned before, there's so many different smaller courses and programs that are, that are out there that can sometimes lend itself to be a bit confusing for us because we want to get into that place and get it into a breakthrough. We've gone into a breakthrough, which is great, but that's seen as a type of a peak experience. It's something you go up, but eventually you come back down again. Uh, you know, go to another workshop, another retreat, another experience, and then bang, you're up there. It's great. Wow, I've had a, a, an awakening. It's cool. But then bang, you come back down again into reality and, and the world that you're in. But with Plateau, that's the highest potential that a human can get into right now. It's a, it's a, deep, it's a, it's a deep concept in itself. It probably requires its own separate, um, uh, you know, uh, experience or, or, or talk on it. But um, in itself, erotic IQ is, is the ability to basically get back into the driver's seat of our own lives. Um, we we want to not be puppeted by social conditioning anymore. And it only benefits, like how I mentioned, the, the, the big industries. It only benefits, it doesn't really benefit you, your, your close orbit, your close circle. It benefits the, the society, ec economy. It benefits corporations that are, that are wanting you to fail. 
Um, so we need to be prepared for a better future. We need to be prepared to not, you know, to, to, to have relationships great again and not stay stagnant in a system that's causing more damage than good. Honestly, right now, what I'm seeing is that it's, a, it's, it's quite a system that, that is, is stagnant. It's, it's people are thinking of love in the same way. It's always the same thing. Um, they're not evolving to that next level. Um, so the, the fact that neuroplasticity of our brains means that identity is not hardwired, it means that we can master this human potential. So um, this, the fact that is... The, the fact that we can rewire ourselves, we can change our mindsets, we can change our beliefs, we can change the way we see love, relationships, conscious relating, even parenting, even uh, any kind of relationship that we have, uh, we can see that, that erotic IQ, it's bigger than just love and just sex and just attachment. You know, I really want erotic IQ to be seen as an evolution. It's an evolution of the current mindset of love. I mean, we're in what's called the era of romanticism. It's something that's been going on for about 300 years. Uh, it's time that we snap out of it. And Alain de Botton calls it now moving into the era of maturity um, and understanding our biotechnology and being able to hack into our human potential more because erotic IQ is that evolution of love. So, um, you know, I, I, I see it as a type of, and this is one of my missions in general, is, is a type of revolution. So, I mean, I, I did most of this talk on the, in the TEDx talk that I did, but it is, in effect, a revolution that we need to change the way people think about this, about love, about relationships, about conscious relating, about, uh, about everything that we're doing, even about sex. And then a lot of these new age movements, it's, it's, it's trying to evolve and revolutionise the way people connect from a deeper, on, on a deeper level. So, um, really, it's a type of engineering our own reality. So bringing, relation, bringing intelligence back into our relationships, making them great again, uh, we're doing this not just for ourselves, we're doing it for the future generations. We want our kids to see amazing examples of relationships. We want them to grow up in a world where, you know, that divorce isn't a norm, that, you know, broken families isn't the norm, that we want people to make a, a decision to have children so that that can be raised together by both parents or by, by tribe or by community, whatever it is as, an, as, as a decision, as an adult, as an intellectual con contract or a, as an intellectual way of going into the decisions that we make for the future of our lives, we do it through our, our brains. We do it from, as, as an intellectual being. Um, uh, you know, so the future generations can see this and, and, and work their way around it rather than feeling disappointed or rather than thinking that all right it's not going to happen or going into um you know into the epidemic of depression because their relationship may have failed or their expectations may have not been met or they have low self-worth because partners and relationships you know the, the scheme of things right now with with online dating and, and all that kind of jazz is is pretty 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 scary in itself so we want to be able to evolve that into something that our children can see and and look up to um, and we're doing it for the future generations, basically, of, for the rest of the world, because erotic IQ, it's never been as important or as needed as it is today. <sighs> yeah, so, um, yeah, that's pretty much my, my base on, on the erotic IQ process. Um, the, the 
the the understanding of erotic IQ, I guess I'm I'm wanting to 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 build this as something that's a um a global community project. So it's not just something that I want to teach and 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 build it into a business. I want it to become a movement. I would love more and more people to be talking about it. I want more and more people to to have it as something that's a baseline for their relationships. Um, just as emotional intelligence became something that people and, and, and everybody's talking about, erotic intelligence or erotic IQ is something that I want to become a powerful force within relationships globally. So if anyone's listening to this who wants to become a part of it, I would love for them to so just you know, send me a mail, email through the website eroticiq.com um, you know, and, and we can we can build bridges, we can build communities, we can build teachings and, and, and have it as something that's um that's accessible to everybody. And um yeah, so I, I guess the uh, as as an offering is pretty much is pretty much that is just to connect in. If you feel that this is something that's a calling or if you feel you resonate with with, with these teachings, then just yeah, send me an email. Um, one of the, the teachings that Erotic IQ falls under is the Psychoanalytic Sexology Program. Um, so it is uh, you know, a, a, an educational program, a certified training, professional development that's, that's going to be offered globally, uh, possibly as an online program, initially as a face-to-face -face learning. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out on that through, uh, and it would involve key concepts of from the Neuroscience Academy, um, as well as through Erotic IQ and the Plateau Project, which is through the Plateau Experience. And, um, and yeah, if you, like I said, if you feel a calling to, to any of this, um, psychoanalytic sexology training, uh, Erotic IQ, um, or through the Plateau Experience uh, through Project Plateau, just send me an email through eroticiq.com and we can um, take it from there. And that's it. Thank you very much. Beautiful. I love the presentation and kind of fit so. And one of the things that we would like to invite our viewers of this summit is to understand that this summit itself is integrative and holistic. So you're going to hear speakers talking about getting into your body, getting into your, your heart, like getting into the wisdom of it. Uh, getting to your internal inner wisdom and and you know uh, Jada present the aspect of getting into you know using the power of your mind the power of your brain right like we have this science that is this behind emotions and feelings and thoughts and all that and what I would like to invite you is to integrate the wisdom and the knowledge from all our speakers to know that it's not just this piece and this piece and that piece and that piece but when you really actually come, it comes together, it's so delicious to experience that your wisdom is, is, is comes from all directions, not just from your body, from your heart, from your mind, like it comes from all. And we cannot separate ourselves. We, it's a very integrative and holistic summit, so we invite speakers that help you to feel yourself as a whole and to understand that you are a whole being. So. Thank you, Jada, so much for, for that. Um, I love the, the aspect that you were talking about, um, the shadow walk. It's like, you know, uh, Carl Jan is one of my favorites also, um, you know, in the, in, the science, in the aspect of psychology, is like one of my favorite person to look up to. And actually, my doctor, <laughs> my holistic doctor in Ecuador, is the one actually told me, okay, you got to study this person. 
uh, deeper level and other mentors. So it was it was like my medicine <laughs> actually. And uh, Wilhelm Reich too, the brain aspect of somatic work and the somatic healing that he was the founder of it. So I really appreciate you uh, bringing those two individuals into this uh, summit because they're really powerful beings and and yes. So when we talk about the shadow walk, now what could be one of the practical, one practical activity, a, a, a practice that they, our audience can do in their life? I know that when we talk about shadow and the shadow work and the, the working with the shadows and it can become too overwhelming for people if they don't know how to start working or they don't have somebody to help them with or they just don't, they don't know. Uh, but in your experience, like one simple, but very simple practical activity for uh, for them to help them understand more about their own shadows. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I, I I guess probably just just really quickly, um, I I completely with 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 the 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 other speakers, which is great. Um, everybody's on a different journey at a different stage of their lives, which is amazing. And some people need sort of more of that kind of beautiful conscious and the wisdom of the body and the mind and the energy, which is essential for, for their growth and for their well-being, for sure. So, and then we're all so different in our, in our fields of, of, of teaching and our, our own wisdom, which is beautiful. So, um, and so the, the, the holistic work, the, the, the conscious community and, and all of that, they've got such amazing tools and some beautiful nuggets of gold. So, yeah, I do say that you have a look at everybody and I would love for all of us to sort of, you know, become a platform for everybody to go through different stages of their, of their, of their inner journey. Um, and in regards to the, the shadow work, a, a good tool is basically to sort of, um, is to sort of sit and really just close your eyes and reflect on, on, on who you are and what your life is about and what you feel isn't quite in alignment with yourself right now. Um, we, we, we find that um, you might look into your shadow by just closing your eyes, taking a deep breath and saying, right now in my life, what doesn't serve me? What isn't working for me in my life right now? Where is my, my attitudes, my identities, my, my behaviours, any patterns that I'm sort of doing, what isn't quite, some, isn't quite um, working for me right now? Um, when you start to observe yourself from your own patterns and your behaviours, you get to find little kind of snippets of, of, of your shadow. Um, now, just to note that the shadow walk itself is, is, is quite intense. It is very intense. Um, and for a lot of people, they're not quite ready to, to, to get a walk into, into their shadow. And especially if they're not with someone that's, you know, that's not trained in going for, through that walk with them. Um, but just, yeah, taking a deep breath, looking into that, you, you, you'll see little snippets of the shadow through your own attitudes and behaviours. And if it's... Um, if you find that it's not working for you right now, then you've taken a glimpse of your shadow. And you, and most of the people, you know, looking into, into the work of a lot of the speakers here will find that it may be that they want to sort of work through an element of their shadow, through going into their heart more, going into their body more, going into more of the breath work, um, taking different sort of steps in um, growing their own, you know, conscious selves. Um, and that in itself is, is a beautiful thing. So sometimes, you know, that will help clear the shadow and bring you to the place that you, you want to be. So 
what I'm hearing from you is saying that I'm sure people are not ready for to do the work. <laughs> and I'll have two questions with that one. And so following that is to actually focus on the strengthening what is you feel comfortable and great at it, like the aspect of your, your heart and your body and tapping into that and get great at it. And then you know, dive into work with your shadow because you will come from a place more of empowerment, more safe, more secure. You like yes. you kinda like trust yourself more. So yeah, because shadow work is not like one of the uh it's very intense. It's like very mm. deep and it can it can really you can really feel like your life is falling apart if you don't have the right tools. So this is the question I wanted to ask is how do you know you're ready to do shadow work? Like I said, once you feel empowered, once you feel you've got things in order in your life, once you feel your psyche, your, your mind, your body, your soul, all of those things are in alignment and you think, well, all right, there is, is a deeper part of myself that I just want to get into, um, the power and the strength of the self is the most important element. So once you feel empowered and strong within yourself and you've said, all right, I've, I've, I'm strong, I'm I'm, I'm connected to, to myself, my identity, how and where I want to go from this point in life. Uh, I just need to get into those little things that I'm not quite conscious of yet, which is in itself a delve into the unconscious. Um, then you, you can take that step forward. Uh, a lot of us are very um, fragile. We have, you know, life itself, it's, it's not easy living. It, it, it's very hard. Um, so once you, you've come to that place of, of, of empowerment, then you could, um, yeah, that's probably when I would suggest you, you take a shadow walk. Beautiful. So, how do, we, how do we bring intelligence into the relationship? How does that look like in a practical way? All right, in a, in a practical way, it's, um, I'll just think like a really, on, on a really base level, on a, on a practical way. So. So, for example, you might be sitting there deciding, all right, we're going to go into a relationship. We're going to have, we're going to have kids from this point forward. We're going to go. These are the cycles and stages of our, of our coming relationship. Being prepared through spending enough time on our relationships, just as much as we spend on our careers, on our um, you know, self-development, because ultimately um, you know, taking the time out every day on, on calendaring for our relationship because there's there's you there's me and there's the relationship so the relationship in itself is a is it's like a third entity in that connection with with your partner you need to cultivate it so you work through what isn't um you know what isn't working what is working you work through uh, you know making that calendar of events either monthly weekly yearly what you're going to do uh, having date nights which is essential um having um ways where you can actually communicate with each other. So different, so, so there's um, so many different tools from a practical uh, perspective and being able to, you know, think from an intelligence, intellectual point, um, not just from an emotional one where, you know, people tend to do blaming or shaming or feeling guilty or feeling hurt and it's just an emotional turmoil, but sitting down and being able to say, all right, from this point forward, let's talk about what we need to do to make this better. And work towards that. How do you know that one partner is not actually fulfilling that intelligence in their relationship? 
you would know. I think you'd know. <laughs> you would. Um, you 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 would know regardless of um, sort of if if there's no practical. You 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 got to work towards it. If one partner isn't working towards the the building of the relationship, uh, if if the one and the other one wants it, um, that that that's all you need to know. You just you'll know that they don't make a, a conscious effort to want to make the relationship better, because in effect it's it's an everyday process. You wake up every day saying, how can I make my relationship better than it was yesterday? How can I make my connection deeper with my, with my lover, with my partner better than it was yesterday? It's an everyday process. It's not just, uh, uh, you know, looking to the, to the front, but looking at yesterday and saying, I want tomorrow to be better than it, than, than it has ever been. And, and that's something that both partners need to do. So that's the synchronicity within 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 the erotic IQ process is that it needs to be balanced effort. So let's say a reading book together, uh, of doing like um, like puzzles together or, or like doing mind games together. Like I'm not talking about those mind games, I'm talking about the, the puzzles and pictures and putting things together and and even like creating uh, beautiful things in, for the home. Do you find that it could be something like using, utilizing the intelligence into the relationship, like using creative things? Of course. Um, I find reprogramming a relationship so that it's better, so, it's, so, it's, so that it's, it's at its optimal best, is the deepest form of intimacy. So mm -hmm. anything that you do that makes your relationship better when it comes, like I said, with, with little things in the home, with, with any little um, rituals or anything is a positive thing. Of course, it's, it's, it's never, it's something that you essentially need to do. And I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the other speakers will bring in a lot of these different types of rituals and, and tools and techniques that you can bring into that relationship. So, so when both couple, when both partners or, or, or whatever relationship style that you're in is working towards making it better, that's 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 really the key. That's really the key. And to me, that's the the ultimate form of intimacy. That you you want it to be better. You want it to be sustained. You want it to be maintained. You want it to be supreme at its supreme best. You want it to make sure that it's going to be, you know, the the best thing that you've ever experienced in your life. Yeah, definitely. And the reason why I'm asking that is because in. Um Intelligent. The definition of intelligence is it, it have everyone is going to look at that word and look at it in different perspectives. So that's why I wanted to have like a little more of a clear understanding where we're heading with that word, because um, some people will link intelligent with mental uh, or intelligent with uh, uh, you know just uh, systematic and things like that. So so I just wanted to brain uh, into more of that that I'm actually you know intelligent in the relationship like what it is that I'm doing what it is that I'm not doing <laughs> that is in line <laughs> I'm aligning with my brain I'm aligning with my being and and that is, is the definition of intelligence for me or what it is so oh god this has been amazing this has been an amazing, amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Jada, for um, um, for sharing your wisdom and your passion and your revolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you. And so how can we find you again? 
Uh, yeah, just um, you can just go onto eroticiq.com. I think it's um, it came up earlier on the bottom of the screen, and just um, yeah, just send an email or or yeah, and um, or, or subscribe on the website and um, keep you updated with things that are coming up. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Jada. Okay, so thank you so much, to amazing audience, for today. I uh, appreciate you a lot, and um, we'll see you in our next episode of the Conscious Relationship Uncoupling and Parenting Summit, and see you next time. Bye.